Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Good Friday to you. Wonderful to be here with you. I'm Nadine Blaney, and this is The Call. 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests, one hour, one stock of the day. Why would you go anywhere else? Really glad you're here and really glad to welcome two uh, great guests to the studio. Philip Pepe is joining us from Sean Partners. Good afternoon. Hello. Mark Gardner from Macro Capital, two gentlemen who've never met a Friday they don't like. <laughs> uh, made even more fun by having you guys here, so thank you so much. Mark, you buying the market here? Uh, not at the moment, no, just trying to be a little bit patient, get through this US earnings season, see if any of the, um, the weaker economic data is filtering through to uh, the company level. Uh, most of the rally at the moment is kind of propped up by the um, pretty much seven main stocks in the US. So I'm a little bit cautious, but um, certainly not, you know, not necessarily bearish, but just cautious, just wouldn't want to see how, um, how these companies, what I mean, what their outlooks are yeah, okay. and things like that. Do you, are you expecting big earnings downgrades coming through in the U.S.? Or you can think about here in Australia, we do have the banks coming through in the next few weeks. We've got the U.S. banks tonight, mm -hmm. I believe, so that's a key data point. Yeah. If we see any material slowdown in them, that might spook the U.S. market. But we saw a data point yesterday with our um, unemployment stats and employment figures, which... Doesn't get much better, better than 3.5%. Yeah, but the employment figures were twice what, um, what the market was forecasting. Yeah. So the, the chances, people are now talking about another chance of an interest rate rise, whereas two days ago was there is no interest rate rise. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, well, we probably will get one in May. And that's what's causing me to be cautious. There are some good companies that are trading just too cheaply and some that are very good. Mm -hmm. But for the market generally, and we saw it similar, I think yesterday, um, when a company like Whitehaven talks about... Um, cost growth. Mm -hmm. Just a reminder, if you're Perth-based, you can't get staff at the moment, your costs are going up. It was interesting because I read that coming from Whitehaven and I thought, oh, that's interesting because we've been hearing that all of these pressures are easing, but they were very clear in saying that uh, it was still very difficult. Yeah. And, well, the and then proved by yesterday's It was one of the biggest two-month um, increases in uh, full-time employees I could yeah. I could see. But I went back like 20 years and I couldn't find you know, 150,000 new jobs in the full-time area added. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's incredibly strong, um, you know, incredibly strong you know, market. And obviously, you know, the the newspapers are having to flick their headlines, you know, in reverse on a weekly basis at the moment. Well, that might be why we're seeing our market really a lot more subdued than the moves that we saw in the U.S. through the overnight, where weaker data has got, uh, you know, expectations for a pause coming through from the Fed. But look, before we go to macro on you all. I know that most of our viewers are here for the micro. So let's find out if any of those underpriced, undervalued companies that Philip just referenced being at there are on this list today. Linus Rare Earths, LYC is coming up. Credit Corp, some say that the time might be nigh for Credit Corp to do well. Step One Clothing, Fisher and Paykel Healthcare, and Calcian, so in that travel space. But I chose Technology One as the stock of the day. 
And that is because, A, we saw that really big rally in tech through the overnight period. Uh, second reason, it hit a record high yesterday. And, you know, to Mark's point earlier, we did see, uh, you know, a lot of the quality tech names in the United States as the main drivers of this rally that we've been experiencing as of late. And Technology One is often called, you know, not by everyone, but by many, one of the highest quality tech names we have listed here in Australia. So that was my thinking in choosing Technology One for the stock of the day. Um, Philip, I'm going to start with you on this one. Technology One, at these levels, uh, given what we just discussed in the macro, is it a buy, hold or a sell? It's a great company, uh, produced a great FY22 result, spits out a lot of cash. It is a profitable technology company and growing, uh, coming out of COVID quite handsomely. It's hit near-term highs, probably for valid reasons, but I'm going to call it a hold. Um, it's basically trading at or above analysts' um, consensus valuations. It is forecast to grow quite handsomely over the next two years, circa 15% per annum. Uh, I think the recent share price rally is the market expecting a, an upgrade. I believe the company is targeting an annual recurring revenue of about 500 mil by FY26. Yeah, they have put that timeline on it. Yeah. Various data points analysts are looking at suggesting, hey, that might be achieved a year earlier. And analysts love, or market loves, a consensus upgrade. So, and they often in this market tend to happen April, May, late April, early May, mid May. So, um, the market's turning to, well, who's going to upgrade? And this is a, clearly a candidate for a potential upgrade into this current financial year. Um, and it's already profitable and it's already growing. So, I think that's part of the reason for the rally. I wouldn't chase it, but there's probably a good chance you will get that upgrade. So I'm going to call it a hold despite it not looking anywhere near cheap. But as we were discussing earlier, this stock hasn't been cheap for quite a while and it keeps delivering. So no reason to sell it. Uh, Valuation is just one thing I look at. Um, but quality business, fully priced, but probably will grind higher. So I'll, I'll call it a hold. Do you see it any differently, Mark? Yeah, I'd say it's a hold as well. Um, potentially, I mean, look, if you've held it for a long time, you may be trimming uh, small amounts to get back to a proper weighting uh, because it has had a pretty sustained rally for quite a while. Um, this company does have a, it trades in a PE range of 40 to 60. So, you know, it, we are around about the 55 mark at the moment. Um, the last couple of times it's gotten around that 60 mark, it has probably had a, it's sort of had a six month hiatus in, in price rising um, and we are a little bit away from um, you know when the next report but but look you cannot you absolutely cannot fault it you're going through their their report um, you know every metric is is so bullish and justified so um, yeah I, I, I think it's getting it's getting to the expensive area but absolutely wouldn't uh, consider selling all of the holding um, so yeah, there'd just be a hold. I'd probably, from a client standpoint, I'd probably run a bit of a trailing stop on a portion of the position um, from a practical standpoint. Um, so yeah, and look, that you know, their forward expect EPS expectations suggest that that PE will drop back down to around about forty over the next two years, um, which makes it you know, which then makes it cheap again. So um, based on the historical range, it. Um, yeah, they are. They've got incredibly sticky customers, mm-hmm. um, and 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 a lot of growth. And they've always seemed to have backed up completely the, um, you know, what what they've put out in uh, in their forecast. So yeah, it's. Um, so you're happy to wait till it's cheaper um, before you would look to buy. But you know, it brings to mind sort of, you know, a la CSL. If it's a true quality company, sticky earnings, expected to continue to grow, you know, candidate for an earnings upgrade. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I, like I said, I'm not so putting just new price. money. Just yeah. put not putting new money into it here. Won't be immune to um, broader market weakness. Um, okay. So yeah, got it. There you go. Hold, hold and a hold for technology one on this Friday. Let's get to these companies that you've nominated, shall we? And first on the list is for Stephen. He's asking about Linus. He says. Look, I'm just after an opinion, oh, this is interesting, on Linus Rare Earths as a replacement for Oz Minerals, because of course Oz Minerals has now been um, taken over by BHP. Um, This is an interesting one, Philip, because we have seen the share price down significantly from its peaks in January. Is this company looking good value? I'm going to call it a buy, um, because I think it is. I mean, you know, you buy these companies for the leverages of battery technology and I believe it when we see it. It probably won't happen in my working lifetime where we're full, everyone's electric. It's, it, it is coming, but these things take longer than expected. Having said that, share prices move ahead of ahead of time. And this company's been around for a while and it's generally a high quality company. I believe, I believe it is profitable. Um, it got sold off heavily when Tesla announced that they're gonna change their, they're gonna try and move away from rare earths mm-hmm. um, um, to something they may have tried in the past. And then the market said, oh, well, we thought there was demand for rare earths. No, it's not, so it's not has sold off 30%. Uh, the analysts who cover it suggesting, well, someone else will build the battery using rare earths, and they might take Linus might take a short-term hit. The shearing consensus has, uh, but going backwards, circa 27 percent in 23, but then recovering in 24. So it's hard for companies who outperform while earnings are going backwards, but when they do recover, and consensus suggesting that happens in 24, then you'll get the rebound. Now, it's taken a hit, uh, it's trading around 650, almost at its 12 months lows, not that I'm a chartist, but it's well off its highs, trading towards its lows. For the longer term investors, there's probably no nothing positive in the short term, but I'm gonna call it a buy based on valuation, um, because it was sold off because of the Tesla announcement, really, mm. and I think, um, that can be overcome. Okay, longer term investors, maybe Mark, I'll put the spin on it. You know, would you be buying Linus with the view that it's replacing Oz Minerals in your portfolio? No, not at all. I think you'd be going for a much more of a pure play copper. Um, it's a couple of sort of mid caps. Um, Eris is probably our favorite one there at the moment. Um, and obviously, I mean, just top up some BHP if it dips, essentially. I, I don't think. Um, I don't think it's a like. It's not. It's really, not like for like. It's not okay. like for like. No, and and I think you know, copper's got so many more. It's got so many more vast uses a- as a conductor, yeah. um, as opposed to you know, this is being more battery technology. So, they've got a lot going on as well. I mean, they've got Malaysia where they've got mm-hmm. an operation has restricted their license that kicks in in July. Um, and look, they've, they've obviously they're getting an operation up and running in Western Australia, um, which I, so they obviously foresaw that. If they, re- I mean, look, Malaysia could reverse that decision or water it down um, after pleas from the company. Um, you know, you, that Tesla announcement. Um, you know, there was something that was kind of missed overnight as well. Apple has actually said that they're essentially removing rare earths from their batteries now oh, as well. Really? They're going to use recycled Recycle. cobalt and um, yeah. and things like that. So what, a lot of the argument, um, you know, I saw in the Twitter sphere about, you know, when that Tesla announcement came out was, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, most of the batteries are in phones and laptops, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, that, that moves to net zero from those big companies and Apple's leading the way because uh, they can afford it, um, you know, is probably going to pioneer uh, use of less rare earths. 
Um, but I think it's wise, I, I would say it's a buy as well. Um, it's wise to have some in your portfolio because this is the biggest uh, deposit outside of China. And the Chinese have got a history of restricting supply. They've done it in 06, they did it in 2010, and we've seen massive spikes in the prices of rare earth companies um, when that's happened. And these guys would be the biggest. So I would definitely, um, I wouldn't be fully allocated. I wouldn't be, you know, throwing the kitchen sink at this thing, but it's one of those ones that, you know, there's already murmurings that, you know, they're gonna restrict supply. Um, so, you know, it's, it's worth having there because it could it could spike really um, sharply. Okay, that's a buy from both of my guests. So that's the first double buy of this session. Let's get on to the second company on our list as nominated by you, our viewers, and this is for Charles. He says it's a good company, but it's been beaten up by macro factors. What do you think? What do you think, Philip? Credit Corp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'll continue to get beaten up uh, into its next result. It's, it's a debt collector, buys debt ledgers, then goes and collects them. So really, it's in order for it to grow, people need to continue to take on more debt, and therefore those debt ledgers get sold and they can buy them and, and do the collections. Credit growth is slowing. It will continue to slow. Consensus is still for interest rate rises in the US, I believe, uh, and possibly still in Australia after we saw yesterday. We're yet to see the full impact of that play through, which will make it harder for them to grow. Consensus is forecasting no growth into FY23. The US is about 20% of uh, their business and was backwards 30% in the first half. We're probably going to see similar weakness in the second half, uh, given that uh, their economy, they're pulling the handbrake um, potentially a lot, a lot harder than we are over here. So I'm cautious this one because it was a pretty weak first half result. We may well get a weak second half result. Analysts are forecasting growth into 24, but it's just not something I believe you need to own uh, into the results. It's not expensive, uh, but I think there's safer places to put some money. So I'm gonna call this a sell into the result. Sell into the result, because the thing is, is that if you do have a recession in the US, then presumably there will be more of these credit ledgers, more people you know, being chased to, to pay off. Bad debt, you know, does that work? Yeah, but I don't, I, I echo um, Philip's comments there. I don't think you want to be involved in the stock when that um, transition to more delinquencies um, happens. Like we've had, their business model has worked fairly well, um, you know, but we haven't really had any, you know, major spikes in delinquencies for, well, since the GFC. And, you know, what works, what's worked for them in the, in the past decade and a half is not, I mean, is really not going to work for them going forward if those delinquencies really spike. Um, and particularly in Australia, I think it's more mortgage stress um, rather than smaller debts. I don't, you know, so these guys take on smaller debts. Um, Lots of them, and you know, U.S. expansion as well. The, the rules over there. I mean, you can, you know, it, it doesn't debt doesn't follow you just quite as badly as it does in Australia. Um, and I, yeah, I, I just don't feel like I would need to be taking the risk um, with the turn in the economy. I think you probably want to see the next results, um, or see how they, you know, see how their business model pivots okay. and and go from there. If but you the, were in it, would you sell it? Yeah, and I'd, I'd probably just shift the risk-free assets, which are yielding pretty well at the moment, and just and just wait. Okay, got it. Thanks, guys. That's Credit Corp. Sell. Charles, don't forget, this is information only. It's not financial advice. So just keep that in mind, everyone, including Mark, who's asked about Step 1 Clothing, STP. He says its gross margin is close to 81%, which doesn't surprise me, as the underpants are made in Vietnam and China, and they sell them for $33 per pair. <gasps> 
seems like a decent business, even if the share price doesn't reflect it. I'm just going by memory, guys, but this is one that listed fairly recently in the pandemic and everything was going gangbusters, everybody's shopping online. Apparently, I don't own any, apparently they are actually very comfortable underpants, but yeah, they're exy. Yeah, they are pretty expensive. Um, look, I didn't expect to particularly like this one, um, but they, they seem to keep their costs under control as a percentage of, um, you know, they haven't just gone nuts on advertising, which a lot of, you know, younger companies which list get, you know, which list tend yeah. to have a little bit of inward discipline in that department. Um, the customer mix of, like, returning customers is becoming an increasing um, proportion. I think it was... Um, it used to be uh, 2020 was only about 40% was, were returning customers. Now it's more like 64%. So obviously they must be comfortable because well, people Well, yeah, returning. when you find a comfy pair of undies, let's mm. be honest, yeah, <laughs> you well, want the same ones again. Absolutely, absolutely. Maybe so. I'm just talking as a female, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, that chart's really, uh, really not very yeah, attractive. Yeah, I mean, it's not, um, you know, something that's listed as as you know, as recently as this um, and, you know, in the retail space when we've got so many quality retailers that pay dividends, etc., it's not really something that's remotely come on my radar, but um, but they, they seem to be fairly fiscally disciplined. Um, their PE's really, you know, high quality and... Um, I, yeah, I, they're a spec buy, I guess. It's not really, it's not really a space I'd just generally be, you know, involved in at the moment and I haven't gone into this in, in great length, but they, um, it surprised me, it, it pleasantly surprised okay. me. So Interesting. Philip? It's been a disappointing IPO. Yeah. Uh, another online retailer that's mm-hmm. trading well below, who 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 listed during the pandemic. When was money was free and retail When online sales were yeah. strong and look at our growth. And so um, and my understanding is their products are of high quality. They're also expensive. So in retail, we're hearing trade down, trade down, trade down. So mm-hmm. you might actually switch the bonds if we ever get um, the slowdown in Australia. Which so aren't you, uncomfortable for the record, but anyways, I said they're not uncomfortable. I have, n- I've never tried them, full, full <laughs> disclosure. Um, what interests me though, it's circa 50 million market cap. So again, alarm bell because it's small, but it's got 32 million in cash and 26 million in stock. So it's trading at stock and cash. And if mm. they just sell that, there's your market cap. So there's got to be some upside. Yeah. Having said that, I'm not loving online, pure online retail at the moment. And it is in a category where I can just buy some, if I had to, $10 undies, not $30 mm-hmm. undies. So I'm going to call it a hold because it's, it's cash and inventory backed. It's not a screaming buy, um, but if they can, it's good margins. If they can maintain the sales trajectory and keep those margins, they will come out okay because you're not overpaying. It's just not a must-own stock, mm-hmm. so I'll call it a hold. Mm-hmm. Interesting, guys. Thank you. Step one, clothing. Let's get to number four on the list, and this one. Well, this one is a stalwart, um, but it again is not a company that has not faced its uh, own troubles. Fisher and Paykel. So FPH is a ticker code, and this one is for Sharon. Sharon, hope you're watching or you're listening. Um, let's delve into Fisher and Paykel, uh, Philip. Quality business hit an all-time high. Um, you know, hospital supplies business and bit of <clears throat> bit of respiratory. Um, I'm going to call it a hold because what what we don't know is what is the post-pandemic norm. We all know hospitals were for um, for COVID uh, during COVID, so a lot of hospital supplies saw revenue go backwards. Um, they're in the recovery mode. 
uh, and the hospital data coming out is obviously not foot traffic, but patients are coming back and therefore they're selling more consumables. So they're in the right space. And I actually think they're a candidate because sometimes analysts are conservative in their forecasts. I think they are a candidate um, for an upgrade in the next year or two. Having said that, it looks fully priced. Um, certainly not a screaming buy on the earnings. Um, but consensus has got a healthy 19% growth in EBITDA this year, followed by 26% next year. That sort of growth would be well above market. Companies tend not to underperform if they deliver that. I just think it's fully priced at the moment. So I'm gonna call it a hold, but certainly a quality company, no need to um, throw it out at the moment, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, the company really, the stock price really has run up. Um, so is it just too expensive then? Yeah, this is one that, um, I mean, if you have a look at the one year chart or the sort of one to two year chart there, I probably got a little bit, our clients have owned this for probably 12 months, 18 months. Um, thankfully we started buying, you know, we didn't go f- throw the kitchen sink at it too, um, because we got in a little bit too early, essentially. We were sort of buying around the you know the $24 mark and then scaling in as, as it continued down. We got out this week, um, but on the, just on the back of, you know, it's, it's around a, almost a 70 PE now. And, um, and I think, you know, what, all the good news is sort of priced in. I think it's around about fair value. And it does, because it doesn't, um, I mean, when I say it doesn't report well, yeah, it's an A4. There's not a you know not a chart inside. It's hard reading. They don't really give a lot of clues away as to the, like it's a good quality business, but it, it is very prone to if they mildly disappoint, the stock gets absolutely whacked. And I've had to obviously I've lived through this when we start like I said we started buying around the 24 uh, mark. I think it was the first clip. I mean it's been down to 17 dollars. So I've had clients chewing my ear off about this one for 12 months or more. Um, it was more relief getting out in the last week uh, than anything else. And um, there's not a massive dividend yield. Their profit margins have consistently dropped for three years in a row. And um, and I just want to see the next earnings report um, because, you know, at a 70 PE, if we have any pullback um, in the growth stocks and um, obviously higher interest rates eat into those into those high growth stocks, this will be one that, I mean, how volatile it's been lately, it could easily fall back to $20 and then I'd probably be interested again around there. Um, but yeah, I, at the moment, it's I think it's it, it's about fairly priced and just need more data. Okay, so that's a sell, we'll call it a sell. Yeah, it's a sell. Okay, um, sorry, was yours a sell? Mine was a hold. A hold, yeah. Okay, so that's Fisher and Paykel, interested at around $20, so says Mark Gardner from Macro Capital. We are already at number five, one, two, three, four, five. My notes today are a bit messy, it's Friday. I think you get that vibe from what's going on. Um, we could not go a day without, uh, yeah, Kelsian talking about these travel stocks. Yesterday it was all in light of corporate travel management. Um, look, there's is there upside in Kelsian? This is another company that gets these overseas contracts and contracts, not just sort of with travel and tourism, but these bus, you know, the public transport contracts, if you call them that. So this one is for Brad. Um, I'll start with you on this one, Philip. Have you done much work on Kelsian? I've looked at it a couple of times. I'm, I'm going to call it a buy. Okay. Um, they made a, a decent acquisition in, in the US recently as well. Uh, funded, I think they spent 350 mil on another transport business. Um, 
in part because of that um, acquisition, but in part because of the recovery post-COVID, there's like 65% growth forecast in FY24. Mm-hmm. So we are seeing tourists come back. We are seeing um, price increases in um, you know domestic buses, uh, I think Singapore as well. Um, and they are looking to grow into recovering economies or recovering travel economies like the US. And we, as you mentioned earlier, we continue to see in the travel space um, it's not over yet. Um, it's not not the um, first bit of spending uh, people are uh, planning to give up. And with you know, if you believe or if you read all the um, uh, not tourism, but all the um, uh, people coming to Australia, you know, there's three hundred thousand um, immigrants expected to come to Australia over the next twelve months. That's going to fuel their growth, right? So we haven't seen immigration return in any major way yet, but that's coming in Australia, and you might see some of that in the US. So I think it's in a good space. Uh, it's not expensive. Um, again. Good, good acquisition. Uh, very recently, uh, so I'm going to call it a buy based on the thematic. It's in the right place, right time, and um, delivering. Right place, right time. That sounds good. Yeah, I really like the diversification. This, you know, it's not a just a pure discretionary play in, um, you know, in the travel and transport mm-hmm. space. It's. Um, They've got, you know, they've got uh, corporate, government, education contracts, um, as well as the tourist sector, and the same. They're, they're, you know, it's very similar here. It used to be Sealink, I believe, and yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, I, I like, you know, if we are going to have discretionary spending, you know, uh, sort of come off over the next, you know, a mild recession described by the Fed uh, later in the year. This is the sort of business, if you want to be in the travel space, this is the sort of business um, that you want to own. So I think this is this is relatively cheap. And um, and I, I think they were really smart. Going through their annual report, they're really smart. They didn't, um, instead of going, you know, they went back, they did their research and they said, historically, you you know, if you, unless you're an established player in the US market, you'll never get, you know, you, you'll never gain any traction. So they went and bought someone instead. So. It, um, whereas a lot of you know a lot of businesses, Australian businesses, particularly in the US, will just go and sh- try to shoehorn the Australian business model um, or the European business model into the US market, and it doesn't work. Which is why we've got quite a high failure rate in the US for Australian businesses when they uh, when they try to expand. So, I think that um, I think that really um, increases the chances of, of this acquisition being super successful because um, and you know they can either. And you know, add some economies of scale, etc. Um, you know, through their European and um, and Australian businesses. So, um, so yeah, I mean, corporate travel was definitely my favourite in the sector. And um, but this one, you know, would be yeah, would be a, a pretty close second. Um, well, not a close second, but second. Uh, it's certainly, I think those discretionary. Um, Travel stocks are, are a little bit too high. I think people are discounting the fact of how much debt and how, ma- how many shares were issued over the course of the pandemic for the, the likes of Webjet mm-hmm. and, and Flight Centre. And, and the corporate travel on these guys are a really great option for you to be switching out of um, those that have played out and, and are probably trading at market cap record highs in the case of Webjet and, um, and you know, pushing back into more diversified um, and more stable businesses. Do you have a general thought on the travel groups and travel names? I mean, we saw that big deal being done by corporate travel management yesterday. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, is is travel discretionary? I don't know. Some say it's not as much as you may think. Look, um, we, we like the space. We cover Hello World. We like yeah. Hello World. That's something that's been performing well. Uh, that is more um, retail rather than corporate. Um, but what, I mean, we've had two years at home. Now, what my thought process was 
for the first 12 months, we saw people saying, I just need to travel and I'm going to travel and I don't care what it costs and I'm going to spend $10,000 to get to Bali and I'm going to do it. Prices are now coming back because capacity is coming on. So you got a whole bunch of people who wanted to fly, couldn't afford to fly, spend another year at home. All of a sudden, prices coming back to mm. pre-COVID levels. Traffic, if you look at the, the, the um, aeroplane stats, um, travel miles are going back to pre-COVID levels. So the growth hasn't finished yet. Um, and people would, it's generally in people's budgets. Yeah, it gets cut um, if uh, the proverbial hits the fan. But we're not yet at a, we haven't had the recovery yet, so there's not really a lot to cut yet until we get the recovery. So we, I think, we're still seeing that play through. Uh, certainly, from business's point of view, um, we're now doing fewer zooms and more in-person meetings, so that's going to keep going. Um, but if you look at a company like um, Calcium Group, we've been working from home, so we're using buses again. They operate buses. The tourists mm. are coming, so the ferries are getting used. So, you know, to throw all the travel stocks in the same bucket, um, I think it's not the right thing to do. But the companies where they've got stronger for longer, um, and I agree with you, corporate travel. Uh, I will put Kelsey in, in there as well, and Hello World. I think it's worth looking at each of those stocks. Thank you, yeah. guys. Um, believe it or not, we're at the halfway mark. So let's wrap up what we've. What we've discovered so far, so in terms of the stock of the day, Tech One, it's a hold from both of my guests. Look, Mark Gardner just calls it expensive. Um, Philip agrees, you know, it's a great company, profitable in the tech space, sticky customers. Um, it's a candidate for an upgrade. However, the valuation is where his concern lies. That brings us to our first double buy of the day, and that is Linus. So look, Mark doesn't reckon this is a, a replacement for Oz Minerals. Um, you would look to get copper exposure through potentially in Aries resources or just buying more BHP, but he reckons that you should have a little bit of this in your portfolio. A, its share price has been hammered. B, there is still demand for rare earths and a lot of government support to get those from someplace other than China. And again, Philip agrees it's a long-term investment. Long-term investors, valuation looks pretty good, so that's why it's a buy. Credit Corp, they agree that it's a sell, so there's no need to be in this name as the cycle turns. Um, so yeah, looking for growth potentially in FY24, but no need in Philip's words to be in there for the upcoming result. Step one clothing, um, Mark was pleasantly surprised when he took a look at it. Um, he just wouldn't be going all in. I mean, this is very much a specky buy in his view, but he does look at the PE and, and looks interesting to him, particularly as they continue to keep costs under control. Um, Look, Philip can't call it a buy, um, but he calls it a hold because it's cash and inventory backed. So, you know, potentially looks a little bit better under the hood than what that chart might suggest since it's IPO at the height of the pandemic. And Fisher and Paykel, again, it's just too expensive, really, for both of my guests. And uh, Philip also wants to know what, what is the post-pandemic norm for a company like Fisher and Paykel? In the meantime, it's fully priced. Mark would be more interested at getting in in around $20. It's a hold for Philip. It is a sell for Mark. Has to be. He's been selling it out of client portfolios. It'd be very strange if he said anything else. <laughs> and then we get to Kelsey and both of my guests like this one. You just heard why. It's a double buy. We're two double buys on this Friday so far. All right, let's get to the investment committee. Double buy. I mean, that's not proper English, surely, but it means something for our investment committee. Um, which, by the way, you can watch online at ausbiz.com.au. Um, here's a little picture of what's in this Ausbiz portfolio, as we call it. So this program acts like a filter. So when companies get a double buy, we actually put it to the investment committee that meets once a month. They then determine whether it should be put in the Ausbiz portfolio. Um, 
to what extent? You know, for an example, this month we actually didn't take anything in or out, but we did increase allocations to West Farmers and Macquarie, also Boss Resources, and seven percent cash was spent. My apologies. New Century was removed. Wise Tech was added. Okay, let's check it out. See how it's performing so far. It's up by close to ten percent on a cumulative return basis. We've been tracking this since March the first of twenty twenty two. So that's some perspective for you. Uh, look, coming up in this next half hour, round about there, we've got Gold Road. It, it would not be a day without a question from a viewer on Gold Road, or I should say gold companies in general. Uh, Resimac is on the list. We've got Tribeca Global as well on the list, Navigator Global, and Lias Energy as well. L-I-S is the ticker code. But let's get to Gold Road. This is for Thomas. He says it's nearly unhedged. It's debt-free. He reckons it's got great management with foresight. Uh, let's find out what our expert guests think. Mark Gardner from Macro Capital, Philip Pepe from Sean Partners are here. Let's start with you, Mark, on Gold Road, because um, management matters when it comes to these smaller miners. Yeah, it does. Look, this is where this has probably been our preferred in the gold space. Um, we've recently sort of taken it off. Uh, I'm not a gold bug, um, so your view on this stock really just depends on the gold price. Um, I, to be honest, the only the only sort of situation where I'm going to be interested in gold is obviously if there's any further banking issues and there's um, a lack of faith in the in the financial system. Obviously, gold would be a go-to. Um, I would probably prefer silver. Uh, it does tend to outperform in, in the situations, and it's kind of more, um, often forgotten about. But um, look, it's it's a store of value trade, and you know we even saw crypto rally. Uh, obviously, when the banking crisis hit off, um, you know crypto was sort of born out of the GFC, where you know money was printed, and um, you know people lost faith in the fair currency system. Um, so. You know, it's a faith-based trade at the, at the end of the day. It has so little industrial use gold that realistically, from a supply-demand point of view, there's never going to be a supply gap. There's no, we had central banks buying um, um, record levels of gold last year and it barely rallied. Um, so as long as, you know, it's a little bit like a musical chairs trade for me, you've just got to make sure you can find an exit when the music stops. Um, but yeah, it's it's not really something that I, I you know, I get involved in. It's um, so. Would you I, sell with gold prices up around record highs? Uh, it's just something. I'm not. I'm the wrong person to ask. It's just not. It, I don't. I don't see the gold trade as having um, a, a proper investment thesis, to be honest. Okay, and, yeah. interesting, interesting. Um, so I'm going to call that an avoid from you, just yeah, because. Yeah, it's an avoid. And look, and, let, and until the point there is like a, a, a further drop in faith in the um, in the banking system, um, which may or may not happen. Um, I, yeah, these stores of value trades, I think, will have probably peaked out. Um, peaked out for now, and um, yeah, it's not really an area I like to play in. Well, that's interesting because, you know, we talk a lot about the Aussie dollar price for gold, um, you know, a lot of uncertainty, still an inflationary environment. Um, If they've got these long mine lives and can get it out at a reasonable cost, are there not opportunities in Aussie gold? I I think, yes, I think you need to own a gold stock, Um, not just for diversification reasons, because the earnings are going up and Mm -hmm. where they are producing their cash flow is going up. So Gold Road has uh, cash costs or all-in costs of around $1,600 an ounce. The gold price is 2000 an ounce, so it's a nice tidy profit there. It pays a dividend. You don't buy resource stocks for a dividend, but it pays a dividend. Um, and um, 
I think the gold price is record high in US dollars and near record high in Aussie dollars. So from an Aussie dollar point of view, this company will be spinning out a lot of cash. And I think analysts are now playing catch up with the gold price rallying that although it looks fully valued, um, you probably see some upgrades in the next month or so as analysts update for commodity prices and, and put through some updates and therefore that might propel gold stocks like this one up further. Having said that, I wouldn't chase it. It looks fully priced. So, you, 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 you know, I, I don't think it's uh, a pricing in, in full a $2,000 gold price, but it's not as cheap as it was. So I'm going to call it a hold because I'm not an expert, but I just can't see gold falling in a heap anytime soon like iron ore can do and oil can do. Uh, safe place to put some money. Got to have some gold stock. Wouldn't sell it, um, but it's, it's not a buy. Mm-hmm. It's a good quality company trading at fair value. So I'll call it a hold. Good. And, and that's... You know, I'm not casting shade, mm. but you don't have to be a gold bug I'm to hold a, gold yeah. in a portfolio yeah. or a gold company, right? No, I, I'm not a resource analyst, but I understand that commodity prices move commodity stocks, especially where it's almost a pure play like this one. Um, it just, if you look at the futures curve, if you look at um, uh, what, what's happening in the world, I just can't see gold. Again, I'm not an expert in commodities, but I can't see gold collapsing like oil can, iron ore can, and therefore a company like this who's producing with 400 bucks a ton profit uh, and growing should spit out a lot of cash, may even increase their dividend or give it back to shareholders. Mm. Um, so for the short term, I think it's more than just a safe place to put some money. Great. Thanks for that. All right, guys, let's get on to the next on the list. This is for Gareth. Gareth, I hope you're enjoying your day wherever you may be. And uh, it is Resimac. So Resimac, as we know, is um, it's in the um, insurance sort of space, isn't it? And loans. Yeah, um, mortgage well. broking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, a lot of these uh, finance companies have, have taken a fairly big hit of late. Um, their revenue's been incrementally increasing, but net profit margins dropping. Um, I look, it's a behold for me at, at the moment. I just think the sector overall is pretty decent. Options, um, we quite like sort of judo bank at the moment. Um, and, and the problem with these sort of, you know, the, the smaller finance companies is when delinquencies happen, they tend to happen in one one enormous wave. Um, so, they, you know, as long as they're managing things well, um, you know, I think their overdue is only about 2% at the moment and their repayment buffers, um, you know, they've got probably about 40% of their clients are more than 12 months ahead. So, they, I mean, they're, fa- they're fairly good stats. Um, 40% are on time. Um, obviously, inverted yield curve doesn't really help uh, these, you know, these guys with the net interest margin. So I think with that banking sector, this sort of goes for the big four as well with the mortgages. I think they'll probably report fairly poorly, um, you know, this for the next sort of six months. And that I think you probably want to be buying into that, you know, into that weakness um, because that net interest margin will improve as the yield curve goes back into positive territory. Um, I think the analysts have just called the, you know, the um, the common truth of higher rates are better for banks um, a, a little bit too early and uh, dismissed that sort of, you know, what what impact that inverted yield curve has on the net interest margin. So at the moment, we're, just, we're holding Macquarie um, and, and a very small amount of judo um, and more, mm-hmm. Macquarie's more the investment bank part, but they, you know, they've managed to capture over five percent in the Australian mortgage market now, and um, and they and those two banks actually out of 
the six, uh, you know, including the big four, have, have got the best liquidity um, ratios at the moment as well. So, but yeah, but these guys, I, do, I would just wait um, at, at the moment. If you've got it, you'd hold it because things will improve, um, but they probably won't for six to 12 months, I wouldn't imagine. Mm-hmm. So look, if you, you know, if you need to sell, I'd probably sell and revisit. But, you know, if, you, if you're a long-term investor, I think you can hold on to these guys. Yeah, and apologies, Rosie Mac. I had Friday brain. It's a lender, essentially, a non-bank lender for, you know, consumers, SMEs, um, businesses as well. Um, so what do you make of Resimac? Look, I, I tend to agree. It's in a tough space at the moment. So its loan book is going backwards and earnings is expected to decline materially like 60% this year because of the slowing in growth. And if you look at um, the industry stats, CBA and Macquarie are dominating the, mm. the mortgage space. And while conditions uh, persist, smaller players will struggle. There's a flight to bigger companies because they'll fight harder to keep them or grow their market share and keep their loan book growing. Um, so you'd assume Macquarie and CBA will keep winning in the loan space for at least the next 12 months, making it even harder um, for, for Resimac to grow. Having said that, the share price has been smashed. So I think all that doom and gloom is in the price. So if you owned it, you have probably experienced a lot, most of the downturn that you're going to get. Uh, I, I would hold it. I uh, wouldn't sell it at its lows. Um, I just think you're in for 12 months of minimal uh, return on your investment. And then hopefully we get some growth for them into FY24. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a challenging um, FY23 for them. But that's in the price. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I spoke with an expert who was looking at the data this morning and just saying that competition, I mean, yeah, with this mortgage cliff coming and a lot of the refinancing will be pretty pretty brutal out there in terms of competition. Yeah, and look at the big guys will use that because they've got, you know, mm-hmm. big pots of cash, they'll use that to, to hustle out the smaller players. So it's gonna be difficult for these guys. All right, let's get to number eight on the list and that is Tribeca Global TGF. This is for Roger. Roger writes, uh, look, they've commenced paying dividends with their first going ex-div later this month or so with a 6% yield and it's trading at a 15% discount to NTA. Let's take a look at uh, Tribeca Global. Philip. Let me disclose, uh, they recently raised some capital and Shore Partners were one of the um, brokers that helped them. So we wouldn't have gotten involved if we didn't like the company. So it's a buy from me. it is at a material discount to NTA. So that's, um, I wasn't involved in the deal, but that's what attracts me to a company like this. You're buying it at a decent discount. If you look at its performance track record over the last few years, in the good years, they do very well. It has been very volatile, but um, I think you do need um, some exposure to resources, living, working, uh, earning in Australia. Uh, and they've just started paying a dividend yield. So I actually think it's a buy because of the, the longer term track record, the sector, uh, you're playing in, you're getting at a decent discount to NTA, a number of other funds are trading at or above NTA, um, and, and it's paying a dividend. So for me, it's a buy for the thematic and for the fact that it now pays a dividend. Okay, thank you. But why wouldn't you just buy an ETF? Why wouldn't you just buy you know, these direct, you know, direct equities if you want exposure to global natural resources. That's how I would generally play it. I, I probably recommend this for someone who's wants to be less active generally. Um, for anyone who's obviously, you know, probably more for viewers of this of this show, I, I think you could probably do a pretty similar job. Um, 
yourself with a, with a decent amount of research um, or a good broker. So, look, it um, it doesn't particularly interest me. You know, they, you know, but I, I would echo Philip's comments. It, it's I think it's more of something if you just if you want exposure to that thematic. They're a fairly solid fund manager. It is trading at a discount. Um, if you don't want to be mucking around, um, having to get in and out of things and and having to monitor things, then then yeah, it's a pretty easy um, low maintenance way of doing that. Um, yeah, we had some clients involved in the cap raise. Um, it is pretty thin to get in and out as well. Um, so I look if I would probably only say I, you know, I'm, I'm a buyer of the thematic. So therefore, if it suits you, I'd be, I'd be a buyer of this. Um, but you know, you you probably want to be you know taking this on a one to two year minimum um, time frame. It's not something you want to be you want to be trying to. You know, play the play the range or be active in at all. So um, yeah, it's horses and courses. That's generally, but, what yeah. not what you do with LICs, right? Which is what this is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it, look, it, it's it's a buy, but it, it probably if you if you want to have more um, control over your investments, you know, I think you can probably do similar thing yourself. Well, I think that's the most begrudging buy I've heard coming from Mark yeah, Gardner, yeah. but you know, it but, is what it is. But it's a valid point. There's there's the thematic, which is positive, but mm. then there's do you have the time, the ability, the interest to do it yourself? Mm-hmm. And that applies to any leak, that applies to an ETF or that it, you can buy yeah. a parcel of stocks yourself. So yeah. I guess you just want to look at feet you know, you just want to look at the costs involved when it comes to ETFs and whether or not that's also something that you weigh up as well. Exactly. Okay, but uh, other people really like owning listed vehicles. So there you go. There's a case for everybody. So that's Tribeca Global. Let's get to Navigate, Navigator Global. Uh, NGI is the ticker code. This is for Matt. He says, Fundies liked it at $1.60. Uh, now look like it's trading around just above a dollar. He reckons it looks great value to accumulate and ride it out for the next few years. So it's always good. Just a note to our viewers out there when you do want some ideas or some uh, information about these companies, you know, it, it helps us to know if you're a long-term holder or not. Obviously, that changes the equation very much. So, Navigator Global, Mark. Yeah, analysts were pretty keen on uh, Magellan at $14 as well. So, you know, it, I, it's, it's a very difficult one. Um, there's been, you really held ransom to outflows in the funds management business. and. Um, and funds have had some pretty significant outflows. Um, it can quite often be a popularity contest, is probably what's been seen in the likes of Magellan, um, which has gone from sort of rock star to almost has been in a very short space of time. And um, yeah, so it is a bit of a tough space. I went and had a look at their funds. Um, they do out, they outperform like generally um, all the, all of their benchmarks. Um, there is the Mission Crest Macro Fund, uh, which has only been around for about three years, has actually significantly outperformed, 14, 15%. So, um, you know, so they're doing, they're doing their job. Um, and yeah, but I mean, this space at the moment, you know, like I said, redemptions can hit you for, you know, for any reason. You can, be, you can actually be doing your job quite well and, you know, your level of fees drop with the, with the exit of a big client um, on the basis of one or two results. So it, it's, it's a flighty business overall. Um, so whether it's cheap or not, it, I, you know, I don't have a crystal ball in terms of 
um, you know, someone might might want to change their investment philosophy who might be a significant um, you know significant unit holder, and that changes the metrics completely. So. So yeah, look, but they, you know, I would say if they continue to do their job and they don't have any, you know, don't have any significant redemptions, their performance is good enough, and um, and they probably are pretty cheap. Um, but you've just got to be, you know, you've got to be really careful. Uh, there's just been so many occurrences in the last um, in the last twelve to eighteen months um, where redemptions have hit these funds that you. Um, you know, you just you want to make sure that they continue to do well. So that's a hold. It's a hold, yeah. Um, yeah I think if the if the general sentiment in the sector improves and people are happy to go back to fund managers, um, you know, I think I think it's pretty cheap. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a dicey it's a dicey sector at the moment. Now, asking sort of uh, somebody from an an advisory business uh, to <laughs> yeah. invest in fund manager, I know it's always awkward. But what do you think of Navigator Global? It's a fund of alternative investments, so that part is interesting. So it's not mm-hmm. like someone, um, uh, I'll put this politely, another share fund manager, there's hundreds, uh, yeah. and people can do that themselves um, using brokers. So this is a fund of alternative funds, and as Mark said, they've been performing well um, investment-wise, but part of their aim is to grow funds, uh, and this is a difficult market to raise money in. I think they've fallen short of their internal funds management targets and that's why they've, they've, they've disappointed. Uh, and that's probably not going away anytime soon. Uh, so if, if their aim was to continue to grow by tapping their investors every year, they're probably going to struggle. So I think some of that share price performance has been well. We know you've got a bunch of great fund managers. We know you can perform, but you're expected to get to X billing. You've got some debt. You've got some payments to make uh, for some acquisitions. Um, perhaps the near term uh, is a lot more challenging than we first thought, and hence the share price move. Having said that, it's moved a long way. It's trading at almost um, 12 months lows. I don't have a valuation on it, so I look at where it's come from. Uh, and it looks like it has been sold off because of that pessimistic view. So I wouldn't call it a sell. I, I would hang on uh, at these levels. I just can't see it snapping back anytime soon. We probably need to get this current financial year out of the way for them mm. so they can rule off um, and then get back to earning not just base fees, but high performance fees. But if, if the markets fall, their base fees are going to fall yeah. and it will be harder for them to outperform unless they're shorting. So near term is probably challenging, um, but a lot of that's in the share price. So I'm going to call it a hold. Um, yeah, there's a whole raft of new competition now with bond funds as well. So, I mean, those guys have been sitting dormant in the market for 15 years and, you know, uh, places like Coolabar Capital, um, you know, they're they're getting pretty decent returns, um, and you know they're re- relatively risk free. Like they, you know, they're attracting funds out of these equity, you know, out of the equity funds management business as well. So there's like, there's, you know, it's not like it's a competition that's grown from you know from scratch. These guys have always been around. They just haven't had attractive returns for a long time. Um, that was back, back to the Tribeca one. They are long short in that fund as well. So, you know, they, that may that may be a point of difference um, in terms of you know, as you say, with the alternative investment, you want you want something that's got a yeah. little bit of a niche. Just mm-hmm. an index fund. I think at the moment it's going to you know is really going to struggle. Agreed. Interesting, guys. Thank you. Let's get to the lucky last on the list, and this is LIS. I think I think that's how you say it. LIS Energy. L I S. This is for Anthony. He's questioning: Is it a super buy? Well, that's a throwback to January. So that's <laughs> if you love it so much, it goes straight to the investment committee. Um, what do you think? Because I know you know you've done. We just were hosting a conference or something last week, week before uh, last on, on, the, on the EV. On space, EV. Yeah. So this is the name for LIAS comes from lithium sulfur, so lithium sulfur batteries. Um, so 
look, they are making batteries, which is something that I think even the new government wants to be done here on shore mm. more and more. Um, so it's just commercializing some of the, you, you know, what they've been working on for quite some time. Do you know the company? Do you like it, Philip? Um, I have owned it in the past. I know have a little you? bit about it. Um, I bought into the IPO then and then sold it because it, it was a really hot IPO. It was in the right space yeah. for the right time. It did well. And since then, it's um, under-delivered. Like, again, this, this space will collectively make money over time. We are moving in that direction. But... You know, you look at July versus now, things are moving slower than we analysts first thought collectively. Um, so I'm going to call this this company a sell um, because just too mm. soon is still cash burning. And my view, own own a, a battery technology link company, find one that's profitable. And if they're currently profitable... What's the one we talked about the other week? ID, it was ID more ID electrical. Yeah, IDP yeah. Group. So they do battery technology, uh, stock code IPG. Uh, it's one that I cover, full disclosure. They do... Um, EV technology, but they also do buildings and stuff. Yeah, so they're electrical engineers that also are building some of the infrastructure, but they've got the offset. So there's different ways to play the space. So for me, and they put the, I mean, just to highlight the risk in in microcaps, one announcement surged the share price the other day because they talked about the next iteration of their technology. And then they got to please explain from the ASX because they didn't really explain why this was important. So that's yeah, the risk. Yeah, material or not? Yeah. So that's the risk you face in owning um, uh, an unprofitable microcap. It is very volatile. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, just the volatility. I think. I mean, I did own it, but for me, mm-hmm. the volatility would be too high for most people in this market. There's profitable ways to play the EV space. I mean, there's no reason why you can't own um, Linus, right? So that's profitable and pays a small mm-hmm. divvy, I think. So. I'd rather where where there's an alternative. There's a if there's a profitable, larger, more liquid company, I would play that. Uh, I'm not a specy investor, so for me at the moment, I think this one's just too specy. I'd call it a sell. Too specy? Or are you in for a specy buy? Uh, this is more research project than company, in my opinion. Um, I can completely understand. I remember this IPO at the time. You know, you had the likes of Magnus, like going ballistic and 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 floating. You know, having 50 percent ranges on days, etc. Um, and I, I I think we I think we did end up with some of this. It was an it was an offshoot. Um, but yeah, the 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 announcement they made the other day. It's a forty five percent increase to the volumetric energy density. Um, with their new uh, and we all pretend we know what that yeah, means. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, okay. Okay. But but essentially, it's making batteries more efficient. Yeah. So which we will need because I mean you know there is not there's literally at our current technology um, there's not enough lithium on the planet for everyone to have an electric vehicle. So we got we're going to have to have in in technology there otherwise you know we we just essentially run out so but this is this couldn't be a worse market for for companies like this is huge cash burn um, and you know maybe the technology gets bought by by someone at a cheap price um, who is profitable but you know you want but even then you I mean it could drop 30% before then, and then a 40% premium just puts mm. you back to... So yeah, I wouldn't put... Like, I, I admire what they're, what they're doing, and their research has been progressing. Um, I think Deakin University or something like that yeah. is involved with them. Uh, but yeah, money's not free anymore, and I think the cash burn's gonna kill them, and I dare say they'll end up probably on selling the IP at some stage, um, because I think, I think the IP is valuable. 
um, but they'll need a they'll need a backer, mm -hmm. and um, and and I don't I don't think you want to be on the prayer mat um, hoping that that's going to happen, um, because if it gets taken private, you're probably not going to make a hell of a lot of money out of it anyway. So, so yeah, it's an avoid for me. But you know, hats off to them. Like you know, the research is, is progressing well, and um, and yeah, hopefully they mm -hmm. they do get another sort of leap in in technology soon. All right. Well, there you go. So that Anthony is not a super buy. I think you can take that away from it. So let's summarize. Gold Road, and I just got a question in from a viewer from Connor. He was asking for a view on Gold Road Resources. Maybe he's not watching live. He says, is it time to take some profits at $1.90? Well, Philip says no. He says, hold it. It's worthwhile having some gold in your portfolio. It's diversification. Also cash flow. These ca companies are being really cash generative right now. It pays a dividend. Likely to see some upgrades. He says it is fully priced, but don't sell it. You want to hold it. It's an avoid, though, for Mark. He just he can't get his head around gold. Fair comment. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but if we were, if we were going to buy a gold stock, gold rides okay. the one we bought. So yeah. There you go. Okay. There you go. So preferred pick is uh, actually in the silver space for Mark. Just mm -hmm. going by my notes now. In number seven, which is Resi Mac. Uh, look, it's a hold for Philip Pepe. He says that it's going to get smashed in the short term um, as competition heats up in the space. The big boys, the Macquaries, the Commonwealth banks will be the winners. Look, Mark echoes that. They hold Macquarie, but they've also got a little bit of Judo Bank. He says hold it because the next few months, the next, say, six months are going to be pretty painful, but there should be some upside after that if you're already in it. Um, Tribeca, Goal, Tribeca Global, it's a buy from Philip Pepe. It's a buy from... Mark, but he says, look for those managers, those managers that are listed um, for an edge. And he points out that it's got a long, short uh, strategy. So yeah, just just be careful. It's uh, pretty thin to get in and out of as well. Navigator Global, it's a hold. For Philip, he likes the fact that it plays in alternative investments, but it's just difficult to sort of know where these markets are headed. And that same for Mark, so it's a hold for him, Navigator Global. Um, you know, it's it's difficult being invested in some of these fund managers because in his eyes, sometimes it's a popularity contest. And LIS or LIS Energy, it's just too volatile, too volatile for Philip. He's a long-term investor. Um, you know, the technology, the story may be good, but uh, is it a way to increase your capital returns uh, right now? No. And that's what Mark agrees with. So huge cash burn. It's not the time to be burning through cash, is it, when it's getting more and more uh, expensive to to raise capital. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thank Mark you. from Macro Capital and Philip from Sean Partners. Thank you. Always a pleasure to have a chance to speak with you guys. I do hope you have a good weekend. Um, listen, if you would like us to cover any stocks, you can email the call at osbiz.com.au or you can tweet to us at osbiz.tv. Coming up next on the Pulse, Carl Capulinka with his macro, micro, crypto. Stay with us. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.